0: an Olympics podcast. Happy 2024 Olympic year. We are here. We are in the year 2024. That is right. 2024 means Olympics. Paris Olympics to be precise. They are happening this year in July. And today we are speaking to an athlete who is going to Paris. Well, they're at least 99% there. Matt Hauser, triathlete, Tokyo Olympian has sealed that ticket, that quota for Australia for the Paris Olympics in the men's triathlon. And he's, he's going to be there. He's number seven in the world right now. Had a very successful season in the World Triathlon Series where he won his very first race, secured a bunch of other podiums, and he's looking very good. And Matt gives a great insight into his career, his journey through the sport of triathlon, how he got involved, how he managed to rise through the ranks. Commonwealth Games experiences had two very interesting Commonwealth Games, including some very brutal honesty about that infamous Commonwealth Games closing ceremony back in the Gold Coast, as well as going over his Olympic experience in Tokyo, obviously a very different Olympics, and a lot of adversity having to overcome by Australian triathletes heading into those Olympics. We heard that from Jazz Hedgeland a few weeks ago, of course, on this show, and a real insight into just the mentality of how he was feeling and afterwards and how he's able to use that Tokyo experience to go on to all the success that he has achieved since those Olympics. And of course, we also talk about the success of Australia in triathlon at the Olympic games. This was a sport since it was introduced in the year 2000, that basically Australia was a lock for a medal. We meddled in every single time at the Olympics in triathlon in 2000, 2004, 2008, 2012. It was a lock, but it was only done by female athletes. Not to take away from the great achievements of our great female triathletes, but men have never meddled at the Olympic games in the sport of triathlon for Australia and also no medal at all by male or female since 2012. So we talked to Matt about that and what it would mean to him to break that drought for Australian athletes at the Olympics in triathlon and potentially become the very first Australian male at the Olympics to win a medal in the sport of triathlon. Plenty to cover here. You're going to get a lot out of this chat. It's a great chat with our interview with Australian Olympic triathlete, Matthew Hauser. It's been a couple of weeks since we last spoke to a triathlete on this show and we're getting straight back into the sport because as you know here on Off The Podium, we love any sport where there are multiple sports in one sport. Multiple disciplines make for better sports. And today we are chatting with an athlete who competed at the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. He's also a three-time Commonwealth Games gold medalist, a world junior champion, a world champion in the mixed relay, and currently ranked seventh in the world, and already has his ticket booked for Paris next year. We are pleased to welcome to Off the Podium, Mr. Matthew Hauser. Matt, welcome to the show. Pleasure to have you on the show today.
1: Thanks, Ben. Thanks for the kind intro, mate. So it's, uh, it's nice to hear all the uh, all the things wrapped wrapped together in a sentence like that. So thank you.
0: I, t- I try my best. It's no um, smashed avocado on toast. It's not the best start to your day, no. but
1: uh... <laughs> it's a better way to start the day, mate.
0: Try, I was, I was, try to, I to get awesome. there. Try to get there as best as I as best as I can. But uh, I'm I, I'm always so intrigued with guests on this show who do sports like a, a triathlon, a modern pentathlon, an audit combined. You know, multiple disciplines in one sport how you get involved in that and my obvious sort of guess is often i liked a bit of everything so i thought i would uh, combine them all into one but sometimes it's not that simple so how did triathlon come about for you matt
1: no you're right it's it's not that simple um but luckily i came from a place harvey bay up north um which had like a really strong triathlon community and it still does to this day um and so i kind of grew up in and around the sport i started off like running through school, school sport and through high school and athletics and cross country and whatnot, and played a bit of Aussie rules and a bit of cricket as well, which I really love. But, um, yeah, got into it through that. My running coach at the time also trained in, uh, trained in triathlon. And I was needed for like this, this school sport relay that, that, that they were doing and they identified me as a decent runner. So grabbed some goggles and borrowed a bike and then kind of was hooked from then on. I think like, uh, is my first, yeah, um, national, I think it was like, might've been like under 13s or under 14s um, in Bustleton, Western Australia. And I, I did all right there. I won the national school, school champs and, and kind of thought, all right, well, maybe I've got a future in this sport and um, yeah, loved it. Loved it ever since so I could just, I think it's very addictive. Like you push yourselves in, in so many different ways, obviously like with three different disciplines. So um, yeah, it's got addicted.
0: Is that where it comes from then that addictive nature, because running's Fun running, you know, you, that can be addicting. Swimming can be addicting. Cycling can be addicting, of course. But it's just that challenging element of like, sure, I can run fast, but can I add swimming to this? Sure, I can run and swim. Let's add a bike to it. Like just challenging yourself and then just getting addicted to all those three different challenges you're doing.
1: For sure, yeah. And it's like across the board, like seven days a week, you, you're trying to work on your weaknesses and improve your strengths. Like, you know, you. I, I wasn't the best swimmer when I first started out and I was swimming like double days. So, like morning and afternoon in, in between, like, either side of school and um yeah you kind of just get addicted to that feeling of of progression and seeing like your times go down and um you know obviously crossing the tape and, and doing well or getting a personal best is is one of the most rewarding feelings knowing that you've worked hard for it and you've achieved your goals so um yeah it's it's certainly it's a grind at sometimes like it's it's not all bells and whistles um like i've had a lot of injuries over the past like eight to 10 years doing it professionally and and a lot of ups and downs as well. But I've always also had a lot of highs and those, those highs well, well, and truly outweigh the lows. So, um, and I, yeah, I always joke that I couldn't have been like a really good runner. So like I'm just average across the the board at three sports and you, when you add three average ones together, you get an all right, all right, you know, performance. So, um. yeah, no, I joke about that, but it's a lot
0: of fun. I think that's a great way to put it, though. You know, you might not be super strong in one, but if you take three and combine them all, that, that works perfectly. So that, that goes all right. I appreciate the fact that as a Queenslander, you're into Aussie rules. It's not often that you kind of go the Aussie rules route in, in Queensland. Uh, was there ever a potential future in that? Did you pursue Aussie rules much?
1: Um, I was in the Brisbane Lions Academy. Oh, wow. Yeah. 14, 15 years of age, but I think they only liked me cause I could run a decent two K <laughs> uh, and I was all right through the agility poles. So, um, my skills probably weren't up to scratch as much and I got a couple of concussions like early days. So, um, that kind of put me out of the sport, but yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan. Um, dad grew up in uh, South Australia, so that's kind of where the AFL genes come from naturally. So,
0: um, so yeah. Does that does that mean then mean you're a Lions fan, or do you have to be a Crows or a Power fan because of dad? No, definitely not. No, I'm a Lions fan. Um, sons are my
1: second team, so oh, good to hear. Know. Being on the Gold Coast, you know, you've got to support the underdogs and, um, you know, they're looking pretty good this for next year. So, uh, so it should be good to cheer them along as well.
0: I'm glad to hear that because I lived in Brisbane for a bit and I was sort of sandwiched between Brisbane and the Gold Coast and I'd go to Lions and Suns games. I'm a Carlton fan, so, you know, back then didn't have a lot to cheer about. But I would always enjoy the Suns games more because I felt like even though the crowds were smaller and often the away team would have the bigger the fans, yep. it was something about the vibe and just – People want it to work there and the, the small group of fans are very passionate and they get behind it. So I'm glad that Queenslanders as well, even though you might be lifelong Lions fans, are still kind of trying to support the little brother there.
1: I think as Australians, we love to see an underdog, yeah. you know, do well. And, you know, it's a bit of that tall poppy syndrome where, you know, um, yeah, in Australia, it's just, it's, it's probably a little bit evident, but like, yeah, we love to see an underdog get the job done. And yeah, sons are, sons are well
0: and truly on the way. I like that. I like that. You mentioned mm. sort of junior ranks. Get in there, you do all right. First of all, you you, you win the event. Um, one of the the events of that progression, the in twenty fourteen, a Youth Olympics qualifier that I, I believe you actually qualified for the Youth Olympics, but you didn't end up going to Nanjing that year. Tell us sort of what happened there and why didn't you end up going to the Olympic, the Youth Olympics that year?
1: Yeah, so that was firstly like a big breakthrough for me. Like I was in the, I think they were sending like you're either 15 or like it was under 16, but 15 to 16 year olds went. And, um, I was 15 at the time, I believe, or maybe, maybe 16, 17, I was 16 at the time. And so like I was on the younger side of the age group. So I wasn't expecting to get selected. I just wanted to to do as well as possible. And that was kind of one of my big breakthroughs getting that selection. Um, I think it was in Penrith, the, uh, the selection race first time I got drug tested as well. So that was a big deal for me and, um, you know, just uh just yeah feeling like a a professional athlete for the first time and having to uh, pee in
0: front of someone that must be in front of someone naturally that's
1: an exciting thing Uh, (laughs) stage fright and all that but you know you gotta do what you gotta do um but then yeah i think i went on a national talent academy camp um that was going to then lead into to the nanjing games and um yeah I, i fell over on a training train ride around a roundabout and bit of a rookie mistake and broke my collarbone in like four places and um yeah docs were telling me that i'd be out for you know the classic six to 12 weeks and games were in like a month's time and i was just like you you gotta be kidding me like these things only come around every four years and you know you look back on it and it's like it's youth olympic games but at, at the at the time it feels like the biggest thing in the world because it's like a big stepping stone i guess for for a young junior like like me at that point so um yeah on the on the brighter side of things my best mate and ex-roommate as well ended up going instead like Jack van Steck so um it was good to see him go as a as a the, the reserve and and ended up competing in Nanjing but uh yeah that certainly hurt to to miss out on that opportunity but certainly made me hungry to, to get back and get fit is, so
0: is there rampant drug testing amongst like uh, drug taking in 15 and 16 year olds? Like, I mean, obviously they've oh. got to do it, but I mean, it's a bit odd that age.
1: <laughs> it is, yeah. I, well, I guess they got to instill values at, a, at an early age and um, you know, the system supports itself and the system's not out there to get you it's out there to protect you. So um, yeah, I don't know. It does seem a bit amicable like a 16 year old, you know, doing the test like that, but got to do what, what you got to do, I guess. Yeah.
0: We had that point around then sort of that disappointment not making it had had the olympics always sort of been a goal for you when you had gotten into the sport or was that one of these things that sort of the more you progressed and realized it was a possibility that that's sort of when it came a bit more on your radar
1: yeah it's funny like everyone says that, like everyone in professional sport i think professional olympic sports says that they dream about going to the olympics and stuff like that and for me it was kind of just like I wanted to to be the best at everything. So like, I didn't want to just go to the Olympics. I wanted to be world champion. I want to be junior world champion. Like I just, I wanted everything to be perfect along my journey. And when I started like getting a few injuries and a few little setbacks and stuff with that, I realized that, you know, this it's very hard. Perfection is very unattainable in sport. Like you can't, nothing, not everything can be perfect and there's going to be road bumps along the way. So, um, yeah, for me, obviously like the Olympics were like, you know the, the the pinnacle of the sport like you if if you're the best in the world you're at the olympics so and i wanted to be the best in the world so um so yeah for me i think it was just like taking one step at a time and one of those steps was like competing at junior level and then you know rising to the senior ranks and then and then like competing professionally at, at the the world series races and um yeah it was kind of like a stepping stone and i think then when i got closer to to being of age to getting to the games i was it became more of like, a, all right, yeah, let's get to the Olympics for sure. Yeah. So in
0: 2016, do you then watch the Olympics with a bit of a different eye, with that progression, with that knowledge in the back of your mind that perhaps in four years' time, when you get to age, that that could be you?
1: Yeah, for sure. Like I, I remember fondly like a a continental cup I did in Wollongong, and at the time, Aaron Royal was the only male selected automatically the previous year, and and I raced him, and I ended up beating him in that race. And I was like, mm, okay, hang on. <laughs> What's going on here? Like kind of thing, but I knew it was a little bit out of reach just cause I hadn't competed consistently at like the world stage against like other, like elite open age groupers. So, um, yeah, for me, it was kind of like respect Rio. Um, those guys can do their thing, but like I'm, I'm going for Tokyo. Like that's my next, that's where it's going to be at. So yeah, yeah, for sure. It was kind of like watching that, knowing that, yeah, I could be the next cab off the rank for sure.
0: Well, after those Olympics in 2017, you're, you had a pretty okay year, I guess. Uh, you know, world junior champion, uh, world champion as part of the uh, the mixed relay team. And, and adding into that level where you're saying that you're going for perfection, I mean, this must boost that confidence a little bit to sort of get a, a world championship medal at, at such a young age, a junior world championship medal as well. I mean, 2017, uh, pretty, pretty darn good year for Matt Hauser.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah, in reflection, I think it was a bit of a comeback year because the year previous I I went to the world champs in Cozumel Mexico and, um, I got fucking smashed. I went to, I went there as like one of the top juniors and I got 45th and I got absolutely, absolutely smoked. So 2017 was, was definitely about like not taking anything for granted, not, not being complacent, working hard for, my results and and um yeah not just like racing like a junior but racing like like an elite triathlete racing like a professional so um yeah and then early on in that in that 2017 season just after i turned 18 i got a message from uh from chris McCormack um who was running this this super league series and it was like the inaugural event out in hamilton island and it was like 100k prize money you know you had the likes of um, Javier Gomez and the Brownlee brothers, I'm sure people would have heard of that even if they don't know triathlon, um, that name. And, uh, that was kind of my first big exposure to, to, to versing the, the top top dog, top dogs. And I think that really doing that early on in 2017 really helped me in good stead, um, to the, to the point where, you know, it came to junior world champs when I was versing 17, 18, 19 year olds. And it felt like, you know, a Saturday morning park run, um, c- compared to racing those guys. So wow. definitely like early exposure to that, like elite level, um, and being thrown in the deep end and knowing how to like deal with that and adapt to situations like that. Um, yeah. Held me in good stead for sure. And yeah. Reflecting back on that 2017 year, I think like as a right eye, bushy tailed junior racing against the best of the best, getting the, getting the, the two world titles in the one year, like, I was like, how good is this? Like, is this, it's going to be like this every year for sure. Like how, how good Aussies are at the top. Um, you know, we're, we're doing well, um, we're getting world championships. Um, but then, you know, shortly after you realize that it can't be like that every year and you've got to really celebrate the wins and uh, when you can for sure. So yeah, that's definitely something I learned from that year.
0: Cause it's not often you get a, a world sort of senior title before a world junior title, right? Like, I mean, it was sort of that, that happened a couple of months before the world junior championship, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And to do it as a part of the, the mixed team relay, I think that was our first, first and only mixed team relay, um, world championship as team Oz. So, um, and I was like only just selected in the race because I'd, I'd finished top two Aussies in the the world series race the day before. So I was counting myself very lucky and just saying, don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. And thankfully Jake Burris, all the anchor leg came through and we call him the X, X factor and he, and he got the job done on the day and, yeah, walking away with a bit of prize money, you know, under your under your arm as like a 19 year old is like, yeah, you think you're on top of the world. So,
0: how do triathletes find the mixed relay? Because I I personally love mixed relays in all all the sports that they've been introduced, particularly in the Olympic level. And it's just it's always an extra element, a bit fascinating, and particularly in a sport like triathlon, where maybe from the outside in, people who don't follow the sport closely, a, a relay doesn't seem possible. But obviously, it's something that is. And I can imagine is enjoyable, but also stressful because in a individual race, it's all up to you. Whereas a relay you're relying on three other people.
1: For sure. And uh, I think first and foremost, it's just another opportunity to race. It's another opportunity to compete. It gives us now another medal after Tokyo being the inaugural games of, of having the relay um, in the, uh, in the schedule, it gives us another medal chance. So that's super exciting. Um, And it's also exciting to, to feed off the energy of, of your compatriots and to race like for one another. And I think like, I definitely like step up my, my performance when it, when it comes to a mixed team relay, because like, yeah, you're all individuals doing your individual leg, but it makes it comprises of, you know, it's a composition of like one bigger team. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it certainly gets the blood pumping a little bit more. It's, and it's very exciting. And I think for viewership, I think it's also adds a different element um, as well being mixed team relay as well, you know, you got the male, female, male, female as well. So it's, um, yeah, it's a mixed bag for sure.
0: Literally and and figuratively. I like what you did there. That that worked out quite well. Uh, I mean, it's a bit of a golden period obviously for Australia with the mixed relay as well, because in in the Commonwealth games, obviously a year later as well, you're part of that team that that wins the the gold there on the gold coast. Tragically two seconds, two seconds of bronze in, in the individual race. But I mean, sort of you're obviously missing out on those youth Olympics, going into the Commonwealth Games in 2018, your first taste of a, a multi-sport event, which of course uh, a big deal to Commonwealth Games and particularly in your home state as well. Did that give you a bit of a taste for what the Olympics would ultimately become? Obviously, Tokyo was a very different Olympics, so it's not the full Olympics that you will experience next year in Paris, but did it at least give you that sort of feel for what to expect come Tokyo?
1: I think, I think we were very lucky at the Gold Coast Games because everything was just so good, like, except for the closing ceremony, you know, that's debate. <laughs>
0: yeah. We don't, talk about that. <laughs> we don't talk
1: about that. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, we, we were treated like rock stars, like obviously like being 20 minutes living 20 minutes down the road. I think it was, it was a good opportunity for the media to kind of, you know, get hold of like a young, up and comer. that's, that's a local, you know, so I had a lot of media commitments around that time. And I think that was certainly one thing that that, um, that I, I learned from and, and, and took experience into, into Tokyo for, I think that was a good exposure, you know, especially being the the hometown guy, um, leading into those games. Um, but then everything from like the, like the village, like the village, we had like, like a, a pool at like every ACOM tower and like personal barista. Like it was just like, we we're treated, so well and it was so well done and a credit to like the gold coast and the com games Oz team like they did an amazing job and it was such a great experience and an introduction to the multi-sport event as you said um so yeah and i on the on top of that like i hope com games like doesn't (laughs) doesn't fizzle out because you know like that's that's a scary reality like being like a former medalist like you know you kind of lose you almost feel like you lose a bit of credibility like If they just fizzle out like that so i think um you know whoever picks it up you just got to get on with it and get rolling because there's going to be other events like the pan-american games or the european championships like they still have all these different you know events across the world that kind of mirror the com games so i think it's super important for us to keep that tradition going because it's
0: it's really only i mean i know we've just seen the pacific games obviously but even with the Pacific Games for Australia, we're kind of only selected certain athletes. We can't send a full strength team to the Pacific Games. So we don't really have a regional games like, as you said, the Pan Ams, or Europeans. So Commonwealth Games is kind of really it for Australia, aren't they? And I can imagine for an athlete like yourself that you've got these tiers of competitions that obviously lead, as you said, the Olympics are the peak. But it's still important to go to one of these regional games for exposure. I'm sure they're, again, mirroring that Olympic environment. Because even mentally as an athlete, as you're saying, village life, the the hype around it, you need to deal with that in the Olympics. So you kind of need some training and aspects of that outside of what you're regularly used to every year on the Triathlon World Series.
1: For sure, yeah. And obviously, like, the Olympics is a pinnacle, don't get me wrong. But in triathlon and comm games, like, we had two out of the three Olympic medalists, you know, medal again in Birmingham last year, like Alexey and... And Hayden Wild and like just the depth in Commonwealth like triathlon is 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 super strong. Um and it, it would compete, you know, you know, right alongside the Europeans or the Pan Am So it was yeah, it's it's certainly tough competition no matter which way you look at it, but um yeah, I, I certainly, it definitely has a place. And as you said, even just like a stepping stone is like exposure and experience like leading into the the, the Olympic Games.
0: I Actually, you brought it up and I, I know we said don't talk about it. Well, I actually would like to get your perspective on that closing ceremony. We had Joanna Griggs on a couple of years ago, of course, famously blasted into that. Uh, Commonwealth Games after it aired, and she spoke very honestly about that a couple of years ago. But I don't think we've ever really got the athlete's perspective. I mean, were you at that closing? I was in the stands, and I was hating it. But, like, I mean, were you there? What was your experiences like during that closing, the infamous closing ceremony at Gold Coast?
1: Well, I mean, as a triathlon, like, we were the first medal event, so we didn't get to go to the, the opening ceremony. So we didn't get to walk out or anything like that. And we so we were like expecting like to, to walk out and get it, get applauded by the crowd and be like, Oh, how good is this? Like we'll get a little parade going, bit of pride, but we were just like shuffling in for like half an hour to this like dark stadium, which is like the, I know the lights were out and stuff was playing, whatever, but we were just shuffled in and there was no like big entrance or whatever. Like we were just kind of like, you know, chauffeured in and we just like, okay. Yeah. There's like, Dancing and whatnot, and okay, bits and pieces going on, a bit confusing. And to be honest, like ten minutes into it, like me and a couple, me and a few others, like just went back to the village and went to the bar. Like, <laughs> like, just, like we just like skirted out of there. And we were like, pulled the tram back to the village because we're like, like what are we doing here? Like it's literally, and, we, and like we're all like sore and depleted from whether it be competing or celebrating for the past like however long and yeah uh, and yeah they just got us to like stand and just do like the two-step shuffle <laughs> um, you know in the middle of metric i mean um heritage bank um and yeah it was really like anticlimactic and to think that was like the closing of probably one of the best managed commonwealth games today like i think yeah i think it i think they did obviously doing so well throughout the games and the opening ceremony and whatnot i think they set the bar pretty high so i think everyone was expecting big things but um yeah it doesn't doesn't certainly help when you when you start off strong and you and you fizzle out towards the end but anyway we we didn't have a bad time at the bar so it wasn't
0: i was going to say it was the bar at least entertained did you but,
1: uh, the did bar was entertaining so yeah if they, if we had the closing ceremony at the bar it would have been good but
0: did, did you have Boroughby and usain bolt djing together though that's the question <laughs> Oh, no, we didn't. No, we didn't have enough money to afford Usain Bolt. No, sadly, no. sadly. But I think that's where all the budget went for that closing ceremony, wasn't sadly it? Like, so. We can get a Usain Bolt, but the rest, not much. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just we'll get all the ex-Australian Idol contestants to perform a reunion concert, and we'll we'll yeah. we'll, we'll go with that. Uh, I mean, yeah. uh, just on the Commonwealth, um, getting individual medal in Birmingham, uh, backing up the mixed relay. Was that sort of a bit of I guess uh redemption for missing out so closely on a medal despite it maybe not being gold, probably what you were aiming for in Birmingham?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think um even like looking back on it, like a, like you look back on it and like two seconds really does hurt off the podium. Um, and considering you know, I was in, I was in a probably a podium position for a lot of that race um as well. It it did hurt to like reflect on, but at the same time like it was well and truly like above and beyond my expectations for that games. Like I was just there to, to turn up and do like, try my best as like a young 19, 20 year old and just, just give it everything. And it just turned out to be, you know, one, one place, two seconds off the met off the medals. So, um, I was, that definitely wasn't like a disappointing result. Um, but it definitely made me hungry to get a medal in Birmingham. Um, knowing that I was probably the top Aussie going into that race and, um, you know, having proven myself in the world stage, you know, months prior. So, um, yeah, it was nice to get the, the bronze. I think obviously I would have liked to, to get a better color, but to, to finish in behind like two classy guys that were like one and or two and three in the world champs that year was like, yeah, it was, I couldn't have done much more in the end. Like, and I had so many of my friends and family over there supporting me as well. So it was a, it was a really nice experience. Um, yeah. And obviously to, to sneak in for a medal uh, the Welsh. The Welsh crew got us in the end, um, but uh, yeah, the mixed simulator was a good way to finish off as well.
0: The thing that I, I love about triathlon at the moment is, you know, I think people have a an opinion on triathlon nations, you know, like, you know, Australia and, and you know, we've had what South Africa in the past, we've had some, we've had Whitford on the show, Canada, sort of these these nations, but the fact that we're getting countries like Norway winning medals and obviously Scotland and Wales and sort of these countries that maybe I'm not traditionally thinking as a triathlon nation. I mean, we're still baffled around Norway winning triathlon gold medals at the Olympics, but it's obviously showing how far the sport is spreading and that how much it's growing around the world that maybe non-traditional triathlon nations are now starting to come to the forefront.
1: For sure. And like for so long, it was like, America, GB, New Zealand, Australia, that was like pretty much all the countries and like a handful of Europeans. And there was not much exposure in the early days to like, um, a lot of the European countries, but now it's like, it's taking off like the, the passion and the pride for, for endurance sports over there. I think as well, it's like, they're so well-respected obviously with like the tour de France and, yeah. and cycling and and that popularity over there and running's becoming so popular now as well. It's like. I think it's great to see cause you compete in places like France and, and like going to Paris next year, like the, the try, the respect for triathlon over in France is just like another level, uh, you know, in comparison to, to what it is here in Australia. So, um, it's not surprising to me that like the Europeans have definitely stepped it up in the last like five or so years. I think it's, it's really good for the sport. It's like, it's definitely, um, yeah, it's definitely evolving the sport more than it ever has. And, um, Times are getting quicker, people are getting quicker. So yeah, I mean it's all it's all good. Like and then obviously with the Norwegian side of things, like they're famous for 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 their lab work, you know, and it's 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 quite incredible what they're doing. Um, you know, hope it's, it's all up.
0: Yeah. Scary. This is what we talked about during Tokyo is that and this is no disrespect to Norwegian athletes, but like, you know, you think Norway, you think the Winter Olympics dominate the Winter Olympics. The fact now that we're seeing them start to get really good at summer, like it's scary to think how good Norway are getting in just sport on on every single level, winter and summer.
1: Definitely, and I think it's uh, I think definitely the weather over there probably hardens them up a bit as well. Yeah, like I, just the freezing cold and the yeah the amount of variability in in their weather and obviously like being a mountainous country as well. It's um, probably toughens you up a little bit rather than just like going for a cruise along the beach uh, on the Gold Coast. So. Um, yeah, it's probably where they get a bit of their dog from and a bit of their grit. But um, yeah, we'll keep keep trying to like give the Aussie spirit a, a good crack and really mean, really mean, yeah, keep
0: on keep on going with that. Obviously, Olympics twenty twenty. I mean, we know they were delayed. Everything along the lines that that happened into that. What was the delay for you? A, a blessing or a curse? Where how was things tracking? Had the Olympics gone on schedule in twenty twenty versus twenty twenty one?
1: Um, yeah, I think it definitely was more of a curse than a blessing. Like I don't want to be making excuses, but Australia had hard lockdowns and we weren't allowed to travel overseas and a lot of the overseas competitions were still going on and yes, we were still able to train and, and get stuff done here. But, um, we really lacked that international exposure. And I think while we were stuck here, like racing ourselves, the rest of the world was still kind of. Kind of getting by with with doing a few international races and and still seeing the sport evolve and evolving with the sport over there and I think when we got o- by the time we got over in Tokyo I think it was our first international competition for like eighteen to twenty four months so wow we were like on the back foot and I think that it was almost like obviously we we got the enormity of the situation and and the Olympic Games like you got to bring your A game but um. Yeah, I think we're definitely like missing that, like kind of like competitive exposure, um, and triathlon evolved like quite surprisingly in those last and those like two years, um, and and it showed in the Olympics. Sure.
0: Were, were you already qualified, sort of ahead of the the delay, and did that sort of carry over into twenty twenty one? Like, if you were qualified, did you keep or did you have to requalify ahead of the the postponement?
1: So I was only still there was. They made the selection criteria really difficult because they wanted to select um based off the mixed team relay, because I think they saw that as one of our best medal chances. So they wanted like a discretion um kind of yeah structure around the around the selection policy. So no one was pre-selected. Um everyone found out pretty much six to eight weeks before the games. Um so it was like it was very much like swimming like they had their trials like very very late on and they do that for for kind of peaking reasons same as the americans but yeah for us i think they kind of dragged it out as long as possible to allow you know as many you know results to be counted and and like kind of performance to be performances to be analyzed and whatnot um and they took that all into account so i think uh um, yeah it was a, it was a late selection and i think that probably didn't help as well cuz like we're treating every race up until then, like it was D day, like it was, didn't matter whether it was like a local triathlon, you know, in the back of the Gold Coast hinterland, like it was, you know, we were, we were competing for every like little inch. Um, so that probably didn't help as well, but you know, what can you do? Like you, you know, you, you kind of, you met with this COVID and you can't race and compete, you know, against other nations and stuff like that. So you have to go, go, all you have to go with it or go off is just Aussies racing Aussies. Um, and, you know, some people respond to that well, and some people, you know, like to have a bit more competition around them to bring out their best competitive self. And um, yeah, the team was selected and we went over. So,
0: so we had Jess on and she talked a little bit about that period and kind of whole, how that was and just, yeah, so, so challenging. I mean, kind of just fast-forwarding a little bit now, knowing that you're already on a plane to Paris, basically. I mean, kind of obviously a lot different uh, this time around. Do you think, as you're sitting here right now talking to me, that that is mentally a lot better prepared now that you've got this extra time to kind of go into that and it's not so close to Paris next year? You already know that you are going to those Olympics so you can focus on things differently this time.
1: For sure, definitely. I think like now I can be like, I can enter next year and say like the only race that matters is Paris. Like that's the only race that matters. And like leading into the start of 2021, I was like, I've got to make every race count. So the pressure was on. I needed to be peaking at every race. I didn't know what the selectors were going to do. So yeah, to be able to have that ticket punched, um, barring any you know misbehaviors by me, um, you know, it, cause I'm not actually selected. I'm um, I'm non- nominated, um, so the formal selection will come out early next year. But um, yeah, I think I think that definitely helps and helps me kind of set up and plan around, uh, you know, that late July, early August time um, next year, and is a nice place to be in.
0: Yeah, being seventh in the world also probably helps on that, uh, you know, resume definitely. coming that yeah, formal yeah, yeah. selection. I not think that yeah. hurts much. <laughs> Doesn't know, and I think like that
1: that came as a byproduct of of the disappointing campaign of Tokyo. Like I don't think I would have been the athlete I am today if I didn't get humbled in that experience because yeah, I kind of had to take a step back and um, and I spent like two weeks in quarantine with my coach um, in New- Northern New South Wales. Cause we couldn't get across the state border at that time. And um, we basically just like sat down and two weeks of like having a couple of beers, planning stuff out. Um, and it was like, is all around me, like really committing to this professional lifestyle and accepting that this is like, this is my job. Like, it's not like something I do as a hobby or a lifestyle or something that I'm lucky enough to do because I'm talented, like this is my job. And if I work hard enough at it, like I can really make a living and really make a future myself for myself. Um, So that was kind of like this change in mindset I had. Um, And then I really wanted to come out the next year and just, yeah, prove that I had it in me because I felt like, I was kind of at a crossroads where if I didn't really like step up and like get on this new wave of racing and these, these new fast times that are being put down on the run and uh, I knew I was going to get left behind and I didn't want to, didn't want to work a nine to five job. So, you know, I really wanted to to stick at it and you know, live the dream as a, as a professional athlete. So yeah, that's brought me to where I am today, basically.
0: I love hearing that. Cause it is always that level of commitment you've got to work out after any olympics given that it is a 4 year cycle whether you've got the drive to push towards it obviously a little bit different after tokyo it's a 3 year cycle so it's one year less given how things turned out but mentally as well that that is that drive you're talking about because it's a lot you've got to try to achieve to get to that point again to have another crack at a, another uh, olympic games
1: yeah and uh, i think i think for us as triathletes like it's really it's really good and helpful in the fact that we have like all year all round, like racing, like all throughout the year. Like we go over and have our European summer and, and spend like four or five months over there racing and competing and, and living in Spain. Um, so it keeps us like, it keeps us engaged throughout the whole year in a sense where we can keep developing and keep having like little goals and targets along the way, whether it's not just like, all right, now I've got to wait four years to the next big race kind of thing. Like, you know, it's, we've got like, goals and world championships and and targets to hit throughout that kind of journey. So it's not like, all right. Yeah. Next thing is like the Olympics like next thing was like the Birmingham Commonwealth games. And then after that it was the world Championships. So, um, or selection for the Olympics. So there's always like yearly targets to hit, And I think that definitely helps with the, the motivation where there's always some, there's always some opportunity in some races to, to go out there and, and, you know, target.
0: 24th in the, individual race, ninth in the the mixed relay, obviously, as you said, challenging circumstances. Is it possible to set yourself a target knowing how unknown those Olympics were and kind of now reflecting that it's been a couple of years on it, Matt? How do you kind of take your first Olympic experience in Tokyo?
1: Um, Yeah, it's... I don't think I've fully... Like, I have had some time to reflect on it. Um, But for me, like, the first thing that came to mind after Tokyo was, like, anticlimactic, like it was, it was like this big buildup so much stress around, um, so many like different moving pieces in the Federation and, and trying to tick off all these things and, and stresses around COVID and, and trying to like navigate that space. Um, and to, to drop in late to the village, to, to be secluded basically from the other teammates. Um, to not going and like immersing yourself in the experience and watching your you know I got mates that that were in the swimming team and in the athletics and I couldn't go and watch any of those races or get tickets or access to those venues so um yeah it definitely takes away from the experience um but the one thing I did I did learn and take away from Tokyo was the um was the joy that like like seeing other people succeed from Australia that was like probably one of the most rewarding things that i got to experience. Um, a few days before the, before the race, I was actually had the quarantine because, uh, I came down with a cold, um, and it wasn't, it wasn't COVID. Uh, I did numerous tests and, and we all have to do numerous tests throughout the, you know, the, the time of the games. And, um, so I, I missed out on a few of the ceremonies and whatnot early on. So that made it a bit difficult for me, but when I got out of that kind of quarantine, Um, yeah, seeing like the, the, um, uh, just like the, how like people like the medal winners were like kind of welcomed back into camp and like a big, like, you know, hoo-ha of like, yeah, like celebration basically of everyone coming in, like what that did to the different teams within team Oz and, and what that what, what, it, how it kind of uplifted everyone. I think that was kind of like, I looked at everyone in triathlon and I was like, and this is after the individual race and obviously disappointing result for, for most of us. Um, yeah. Going into the mixed team realized like we need to, like, we ne- I, I want that feeling, like mm. I want that feeling for us and I want us to, us to provide that, that feeling for, for the rest of Australia, because that's like such a powerful thing and such an honor that we have that kind of capacity in sport to, to provide that. Um, and look, obviously it didn't work out for the relay, but, um, yeah, that's something that's definitely driving me towards, towards wanting a medal in, in Paris for sure.
0: Well, I was going to ask that because it's got to be that drive with disappointment comes drive. And also the fact too, there's two things that Australia now on a, I want to say a drought from triathlon medals, because we obviously had meddled at every Olympics, uh, until London and the last two we haven't but on the male side of things, Matt, no medals for the men. Like the women are carrying the load here. So yeah. like that drive and that, and that you could be a history maker in Paris. You could be the first ever Australian male to win an Olympic medal. I mean, I can imagine that kind of gives you a bit of energy towards that as well.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Like, and you could look at that and be daunted and be kind of like, that may like make you more reserved or pull you back. But like, for me, that's just the most exciting thing. Like I, I, like I feel, feel sorry for the women having to carry us. Like I really want us men to like step up and pick it up Men, you. come
0: on. Pick
1: <laughs> it up. Like Come on. Cause the chicks have been like doing all the work for us over the years. So no, I really want that for, for team Oz and I want that for myself to, to bring that um, for, for team Oz. And um, it's definitely a motivating factor. And I think being in a position where, you know, if everything goes right on the day, like I could be, could be looking at an opportunity like that. I think that's super exciting and, And something that like now knowing that like from Tokyo, like this, these opportunities aren't going to like come forever. Like I'm so lucky to be going to my second games and and being in a position to do, to do well, hopefully I think, um, yeah, it's these opportunities that you just got to grab and like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happens. Like you just got to put your head down and, and give it everything. So.
0: And the course yeah. itself is looking pretty spectacular. Obviously, smack bang in in France. Although, obviously, a bit of concern around the Seine. Uh, is this a venue? Like, have have there been a test event there yet? Is this a, a area where you have raced in before, or will this be the first time when you do get to Paris?
1: There has been races in Paris before. I think um, the French Grand Prix League, um, so like the club racing in 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 France, has has raced there before. But um, yeah, super iconic. Like we turned up there for the test event this year. Um, and I didn't get an opportunity to race cause I had COVID, um, which Damn. is great. Get it over and um, done with now though, right? Like I'm done with now, like get over and done with for the practice one and, yeah, you yeah. know, for the one be all healthy and, and smiling ready to go. But, um, yeah, I think being still being cooped up in a hotel room and, but I, I did get a chance to go out and do the course memorization before the day before the race. Um, and yeah, it was spectacular. Like the, the transition was on, um, I forget the bridge's name, but it's got like gold statues at like each of the four corners and, um, you ride down the Champs Elysees and towards Arc de Triomphe and you're looking over like, obviously, you know, the sign isn't the cleanest, you know, we all know, you know, the history of it and whatnot and the the sewage problem problems, but, um, it's something we face in Tokyo and, and we got through that. All right. So, Um, how bad can Paris be? Um, and obviously being the Olympics, it's, it's a bit of a, like a legacy piece as well, where they want to really clean up the city and maintain, um, maintain that. I think the Olympics is a good platform for them them to obviously start that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they swam in it this year for the test event and there was no, no real issues. Um, they actually have technology. So, uh, that measures when the dirty water is going to pass through. Wow. the race is going to be like they can kind of measure at what time cuz 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 basically like the it's the sewer system like doesn't work the same as like as what like we have like it's kind of like held up in a dam and then it's released at certain times release the poop it's so release the poop yeah get it downstream get it get it out of here so um it <laughs> it seems, it seems wow. quite it seems quite funny and amicable but the water's running that fast. And uh, that adds another element to the course as well, because you know, you're going down with the current and you're flying, you're you're swimming like sub one minute for a hundred meters. Um, and then you turn around and you know, you're swimming into a, you know, to a brick wall, basically like you, you really got to push through. So it's, uh, yeah, it's quite, quite a differential going from, from down to back upstream, but, um, yeah, it makes makes it good for for the stronger swimmers. I think heading back into that current, knowing that, um, yeah, you've obviously got a bit of an advantage um, towards uh, you know the, the weaker swimmers. So fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting.
0: I I, I did not realise that was a thing, and I I wonder if then that the, did the French because like you know you see in many sports like home courses like cricket we saw in the World Cup recently like you know India pitches they want to make it suit their you know players. I wonder if the French are like well our triathletes swim better with lots of poop. So release the poop. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, it's fascinating to think that there could be some strategy involved when it comes just to the simple case of the water there.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, the French men have won like two of the last world championships. So they're, they're flying and they're in a very strong position. So they probably don't need the poop to help them. <laughs> <to>, they probably, <laughs> they probably enough. Oh. Got enough is, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's going to be super interesting. Um, yeah, I just yeah can't wait to get out there and experience the crowd because obviously we didn't get much of that in Tokyo. So yeah, yeah, I'm sure Paris is going to do a great job at putting it on.
0: You you've made our coverage next year so much uh, more fun knowing uh, that there could be poop just floating around ready to go. Uh, I mean, right now where we're at, obviously you you off the back so far, very successful season. You, you won your very first uh, world triathlon race, as I said, uh, seventh in the world. You got that quota, the the Paris passport is basically stamped, obviously just needs to be signed off. Uh, I mean, how are you feeling right now, Matt? How are you feeling heading into this Olympic year based on what you've just completed this season?
1: Um, I'm feeling really positive. I think, yeah, like obviously I've shown now I can, I can win a race, like winning my, winning my first race in Montreal earlier this year. And um, you know, after that, a few hiccups along the way of getting COVID and missing out on the test event. But, um, yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is just trying to stay healthy, um, and, and just making sure I'm I'm the fittest I can be on the start line. I think that's super motivating. I've got a few early goals to tick off at the start of the year to, to get some, uh, some racing momentum and to get some experience, um, you know, and get off the mark. And one of those races is, uh, is in Wollongong as well. Our first, um, like major race since Malulabar World Cup in 2019, 2020, I think. So super exciting to get, you know, an elite race back, um, on the shores of Australia, which is really fun. Um, and then, yeah, I'll basically head to Spain base over there in, in like May, June, and then, and then get ready to to drop into the village and, and give it heaps. So, um, yeah, I can't wait. And, you know, I can't wait to see who's who else is on the team with me and, and, you know, I give it everything with them and just immerse myself in the experience. Um, yeah, second game. So hopefully I can do a bit better than the first.
0: And this time around that that experience you touch on, we didn't really sort of touch on those outside competing experiences in Tokyo because obviously they're very limited. But village life, you know, as you're saying before, getting to go and watch your fellow athletes in, in different sports and kind of really soak up that atmosphere, which I'm sure as somebody who's experienced in Olympics, you just didn't really get to experience it. Maybe what a, a quote normal Olympics would be like for most athletes.
1: Yeah. And I think that's reflecting on it now. I think that's one of the reasons why I had a successful campaign at the Com Games on the Gold Coast. Cause like I was obviously a, a young, young bloke, like into the sport first games experience. Like I really just wanted to like meet, meet new people, like have fun, just like embrace the experience, immerse myself in that kind of team culture. And yeah, we definitely kind of like missed a little bit of that in, in Tokyo. And I think obviously being cooped up, in quarantine for, for like 24 to 48 hours as well with the flu, I think didn't help that for me either, but yeah, that's probably the the one thing I'm looking forward to the most is like, just, just like, you know, just immersing myself in the experience. And I think that will give me the energy I need to, to give everything. And, and I think that'll probably give me an extra spring, my step, you know, getting onto the start line in in my own race. So, um, yeah, that's one thing that I really want to, do this year or next year is to um yeah just to make the most of the experience for sure
0: because it's also what the the individual races are kind of sort of at the beginning a couple of days after the opening ceremony then you've got a few more days so kind of by the time the mixed relay is over with you've still kind of got a week there don't you where you can sort of uh go and see some other events and kind of i guess soak up that olympic atmosphere so it's not like you've got to wait around to the very end right you've still got a bit of time after you compete
1: yeah definitely yeah and that's probably like one of the fortunate things about being like towards the start of the uh of the schedule is like you get a chance to do your thing and then you get a chance to like obviously watch and, and spectate and support your other aussies and um yeah hopefully do that off the back of your own success but if not you cheer everyone on and um you know make sure they get it done as well and you know I'll have my my parents and my girlfriend and and heaps of supporters coming over as well right. so it be an awesome experience to have them there and to hang out with them in and around the games and and um yeah just to have them them experiencing it as well cuz obviously like it's a like it's a village that that creates the the person behind the the success so I think yeah for me if I don't get to share this experience with them I think it it wouldn't be worthwhile so um that'll be a that will be a great blessing to have them there um wish they couldn't be there in tokyo
0: and fingers crossed they bring mcdonald's back to the village next year because absolutely yeah like what's going on olympics we want them back
1: i heard in rio the lines were were ridiculous for (laughs) mcdonald's i think everyone was just ordering 20 cheeseburgers and (laughs) six packets of 10 nuggets or something like that for for each and every person so maybe if they just put a limit on maybe just a couple cheeseburgers per person that'll be fine but Whatever, just get it there. Just yeah, get it
0: done. Exactly. You could have gone back to like McDonald's instead of the closing ceremony, you know? Like, okay, I mean, yeah, absolutely. God. Hopefully, the closing ceremony in Paris at the Stade de France will be a bit more better than the uh, Gold Coast. So you're not having to like, you know, <laughs> go back to a pub or something in, in downtown we'll Paris. We'll see. <laughs> Did you see absolutely. Ozzy Osbourne at least at Birmingham? Did you stick around for that closing ceremony? I didn't know. We wow. were, uh,
1: we had to like leave pretty shortly after. I think the, the, the Oz team was staying at like, um, Cause I think it wasn't, it wasn't like a COVID games, but it was like, all right, when you're done, like you, you kind, of to, kind of got to move on. And because it was so spread out, cause it was a bit of like a regional, regional games. Um, we we're actually saying like a farm stay, like wow. half 40 minutes, like out, out of the, out of the main part of the, part of the city. So we kind of didn't really get to immerse ourselves in that kind of team culture as much. We kind of had our own like triathlon Australia set up. So I was set up. So. Um, it was a bit of a different experience, but still rewarding. Like, it was still fun. You got yeah. a couple of medals out of it, you know. Yeah, for sure. You okay. know, a farm, you know, that's cool.
0: Yeah, you probably hang out with the Birmingham bull, like, I mean, from the opening yeah. ceremony, that giant bull, like, I'm yeah, trying Yeah, to- the mechanical bull, where yeah. Where they, they house it. Now, Matt, before we, we close out with a set of our fun, get to know you style questions, which we'll, we'll do in just a moment, but the one new segment that we've got on this show, we, we've just recently introduced a mascot to this show. We're very. Big on Olympic mascots behind me. If you can sort of see there, uh, Frege, uh, the Paris mascot already there. Izzy from Atlanta, iconic. And we've got Tazuni from the Women's World Cup. This yeah. is our off-the-podium mascot. Now, I first of all want to try and see if you can guess what he is, first of all, before we go okay. on with this. It's Look at that. Boom, straight away. So I was. How inspirational. This is Cherry. We'll say his name. If you <laughs> were to have a Cherry with you on the start line in Paris next year, would this inspire you to do better like he's he's got a bit of an injury here but he's overcome a lot and he's still got a medal so how inspiring would cherry be
1: the me- just a smile on the face like I think like the medal aside like the smile will will get me through for sure I think look at Definitely.
0: that like he's so happy and then, to yeah, just he's got a bit
1: of, it's got a bit of grit about him I don't that might be a scar or a bloody it is a thumbing on his face like he's he's been working hard so
0: he was thrown across the room Matt he was abused yeah. but he came through and still won a medal so Advert.
1: That is just that's the most important part. Dual citizen
0: it? with the Canada and the Australia, so you okay. know he's got that friendliness of the Canadians and the grit of oh, the Aussies. You the know,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: For sure. Poutine with the meat pies. They've actually know.
1: had. Mm. Well, you They've won had-
0: in Montreal. I mean, I'm sure that's like the the winning gift, isn't it? Surely.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we got coffee beans or something like that. But <laughs> yeah, no. Poutine, I don't think I don't think I was my stomach could have handled poutine after the race, to be honest.
0: <laughs> you can't not have it there. But I'm glad Cherry's getting that. Like we'll 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 see Absolutely. what we can do for Paris. I'll be in Paris perhaps I'll bump into you and I can and maybe yeah. hand you one over there. But he's getting the ticket approved. Like we like that. We like that. Matt, we wrap up every single interview with a set of get to know yourself questions. As always, these are based on a questionnaire that Canadian athletes got ahead of both Rio and Pyeongchang. There is the option always to draw. How are your drawing skills? Let's ask that first of all. Not good. Not good. Great. That makes it even better. If you feel the need, you, you got some time off or anything along those lines, you can flick it through to us. We'll put it on social media. Uh, the options are: draw a picture of a, an Australian animal, uh, and what would the coolest Olympic medal look like? And also draw one of your teammates. So, uh, okay, maybe
1: I'll just go a nice stick figure.
0: We, we are never opposed to a good stick figure. A oh, stick figure for
1: Jake Burtis sort or of someone like that. Oh, now so, we need to, to see
0: it. Now we need to see that, definitely. But we'll start off with our first question. Your favorite ever Olympic moment is? Oh,
1: crikey. Um, I think. Goodness me. I think probably. Emma Snow still winning in Beijing. I think obviously that was our first Olympic gold and our only Olympic gold mm. um, on the women's side as well. So, um, and Moffi as well, finishing third. So that was, that was a pretty big day for, for Australian triathlon. And while, while I probably wasn't into triathlon as much back then, I, I still recognize the significance of the moment. So that was, that was super cool to see
0: that. 10 years old, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, uh, correct. yeah. I, I, I like yeah. aging myself. And when I kind of come in with something like this, but I vividly remember day, full day one of Sydney, watching uh, McKaylee Jones get that silver and yeah. uh, be very shitty. I was honestly, I was 13. I'm like, oh, didn't win a gold. This is a bad start. But then in hindsight, obviously, uh, you know, great moment there in front of the Sydney Opera House. So uh, in the very yeah. first Olympic triathlon, of course, uh, if you could choose any Olympic host city, where would it be? Hmm. know. Oh, that's a good one. Um, Brisbane. Well, I was going to ask about Brisbane. So you what be thirty four? So, yeah, thirty four. My master are correct. There is is that a good age? For, like, is that something that kind of you know thirty four triathlon body still going to be holding up? Do you think?
1: It depends on a few factors. It depends where I'm at. Um, outside of triathlon in my life, and it depends how the body's holding up. And it depends, it also depends on like, you know, whether I'm still motivated enough to get through it. But I think the closer it gets to home games, home Olympic games, I think that'll be motivation enough to, to get through. And there's, there's still like Flora Duffy was, I think, I don't want to do a dirty, but like maybe like mid thirties as well. When she, when she won in Tokyo, or maybe she's mid thirties now. So and she's still at the top of her game. So spring chicken,
0: um, you're a spring chicken, Matt.
1: Absolutely. So I think anything's possible, and I think the the premise of our of our home games is, uh, yeah, was probably motive, motivation enough. So yeah, we'll see. We'll yeah,
0: home state as well, up the road from yeah. where you're from. Like, come on, home like... state,
1: yeah, at the at the Gabba, exactly. You know?
0: B- Lions Mecca, you know? exactly
1: right. So the the Cauldron, exactly. So, um, so yeah, I think. I think we might have to stick around. Maybe if they'll if so they'll still have me.
0: You'll be a reigning two-time Olympic champion by then. You've got to defend your two gold medals. Come on, Matt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, LA <laughs> is going to happen as well. Just saying. Um, in your spare time, what do you most like to do? Um,
1: spare time outside of triathlon, I've been surfing a little bit, so I find that like pretty nice. But other than that, uh, probably just going down to the beach with with my girlfriend and and hanging out and. I mean, we're so lucky here in the Gold Coast. Like, we just head down like it's a K down the road. We walk down and ride our bikes and and it's, yeah, it's a nice vibe and especially come summertime, it's uh, there's no better place to be. So, yeah, doing chill stuff like that.
0: And who knows, surfing could become so good that you could represent Australian surfing at the Olympics I instead. I doubt it,
1: though, yeah. considering they're in, uh, what chopo
0: yeah, cho uh, yeah the next time well, I don't think they've announced where surfing will be in uh, in Brisbane but I mean Gold Coast got plenty of beaches come on it's not like you sport of a choice there uh what's your favorite workout
1: um it has to be like a run workout I think like maybe a um maybe a fartlek session so you know the famous monophylicks made famous by Stephen Monagetti. um that kind of like on off or under over pace session I think is like is really fun way to like yeah produce a bit of uh bit of speed in the legs and and um yeah some endurance as well so anything to do with running i think it doesn't matter whether you're swimming the best you're you're riding the best i think if you're running the best like that's uh that's the best for up here i think it's um it certainly gives you the most endorphins
0: fantastic i like hearing that if you could have lunch with any one person who would it be
1: um for <laughs> Um, I'm gonna say Kanye West. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That'd be it's a so fun, fun
0: lunch. Fun. Come on,
1: <laughs> it's gonna be a fun lunch. Like probably a bit of street cred with it. Like I don't know, it'd be it'd be, it'd be a fun time. And you never know what that guy's gonna say. So I
0: don't yeah. think you get much of a word in, but that's okay. <laughs> no, nah, nah, for sure. But
1: I just I'd be a, would be a sponge for sure.
0: Oh, absolutely. How do you think he'd go in a
1: triathlon? Probably not that well. I don't know. Like, <laughs> Like I, I see the type of outfits he rocks. Yeah. And I don't. I could see him in in lycra. To yeah, be honest.
0: No, probably not. I, I reckon. A, I, a I I see him like doing okay in the run. And was it was it was it, was it him on the bike with Kim Kardashian? That was a motorbike though, wasn't yeah. it? I mean, yeah. Different. The different motorbike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Different style so, of biking that one. Um, your favorite sandwich is. Uh. Whoa. Oh, I'd, I'd say a Reuben. I actually oh, love a Reuben.
1: Yes. Yeah. A big dirty Reuben. You you feel. Feel pretty terrible afterwards because it leaves that taste in your mouth, but is, I'm a sucker for, for a bit of that. Oh, so,
0: but before, like, while it's going, like, it's just while
1: it's going down, the sauerkraut, the corned beef, like, it's yeah, it's kind, kind of strong. a bit
0: like McDonald's. Like, at the time, McDonald's is heaven, but it's a little bit laughing. Like, oh, I shouldn't have eaten McDonald's. It's, like, it's what like, have I done? Yeah, yeah exactly. Close clarity. Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the regret that <laughs> the, the, the Ruben coma. Uh, if yeah. you could have any superpower, what would it be? Um. Uh, To fly. To fly. Good yep. one. Help in triathlon yep. too. Water maybe. I don't know. Like you could well, just... I don't know. You can
1: fly with a bike. I don't
0: know. Yeah. Maybe you could just like slightly have your wheels above the ground. Because I don't know. Do they really measure if you're flying in triathlon? Probably not. So, if you could, yeah. you know, get it just above the ground enough. i ring. Ho- exactly. I like that. Yep. The best candy in the world is... Um, or. Oh.
1: I like those, um, like the, the raspberry licorice bullets mm-hmm. from like our league. Yep. Like uh, I love raspberry licorice. So, um, and white chocolate as well. It's like a perfect combination. So <sighs>
0: thank you. White chocolate. Yeah. Love. We need more of that. That's the chocolate. That's yeah something. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I'd say that's my, that's my number one. Love it. Love it. We've already answered this question really as a kid, your favorite sports team, obviously the Brisbane, Brisbane lions, any other sort of like do you follow maybe it's like us sports, European sports, any other sporting teams outside of the Lions that you follow?
1: Recently got into like NBA because yep. I just like the obviously like the entertainment factor of it and how there's 82 games in the year, so there's always a game on every day. And um, I started watching the Clippers because of Paul George, um, nice. so yeah, big fan of that. Um, so yeah, so I,
0: I, I'm, a, I'm a Raptors and a Bulls fan, but I've always going to have a soft spot for Kawhi because he you know won us a championship, so I always like the Clippers, so yeah, yeah. and That's screw, good. screw the Lakers, um, so better. Yeah, <laughs> exactly completely agree there uh your favorite sports movie is um um
1: actually i want to say feel the dreams yeah classic "Feel the dreams um because yeah i grew up watching that with my dad because he loved it and a couple of yeah a couple of classic moments in that movie where it's it's pretty inspiring so um
0: Got to love a good, good inspirational one there. And, and Kevin Costner, who doesn't love Kevin Costner, right? Uh, absolutely. Bring, absolutely. Back, bring back Kevin Costner. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be?
1: Um, uh, Gold Coast. Gold Coast. Easy. Yeah. Home. Boring, but yeah, Gold Coast, I think. Yeah. But we, like, as I mentioned, like we get the best of both worlds, Um, you know, also traveling over to Spain and living there for three or four months of the year, so um. Yeah, I don't mind skipping the winter here, and even though it's really winter, winter. I'm go. But yeah. winter and you know asterisks, but um, yeah, for sure.
0: Now the last question, and I, I'm just gonna flat out ask this to see if you even get it, because again, I'm getting now certain people of certain age do not know who this person is, which kind of makes me feel old. What is your favorite Meatloaf song? Oh,
1: I know the yeah, band Meatloaf. You, I know the band Meatloaf and I, and I have a couple of mates down in Victoria who, who, who love them. Good. Uh, I don't, I I couldn't name a song though. All
0: right. I'm like well, yeah. half glad that I'll you know who me. he is. That's fine. Because the last time we asked this question on this show, Maddie Hoffman, too young to even know who Meatloaf yep. is. And that yep. kind of just made me feel a bit old. But I'm sure your mates probably, will enjoy that that question.
1: I'm probably like a little bit... It's slightly too young to, to know like Meatloaf anyway, but like I, I'm into like the 70s, 80s rock classics as well. So
0: it's like. Right period there for that. I'm sure right like period. Bad Outta Hell is a classic album anyway. Yeah. You, you'd know those songs if you heard it. Rocky Horror Picture Show, of course, he's in that. Yeah. So all of yeah. that fun stuff. Matt, before we let you go, people want to follow your journey between now and, and Paris. Where can they check you out? Social media. Give, give people a chance to, to check out the journey between now and Paris
1: yeah so just matt underscore hauser on instagram that's where i do most of my stuff so yeah simple straight to the point easy Easy. matt mate
0: it's an absolute pleasure to get you on the show best of luck with everything moving forward towards paris and that second olympics and we'll we'll get you back on the show with that crisp gold medal around your neck how does that sound sounds
1: pretty good ben sounds pretty darn good
0: And a massive, massive thanks to Matt there. Such a fun, insightful interview. As always, if you enjoyed that chat and want to see the video version of it, it is available on YouTube right now. I love this idea of swimming through the poop now on the Seine when it comes to Paris. Uh, Definitely going to view that very, very differently when it comes to the Olympics later this year. But great to sort of get that mentality and how his mind is at right now, obviously. All but a short of that spot in Paris later this year. And the, the differences in the qualification knowing that now he's basically there. He's got seven months to prepare for the Olympics now versus Tokyo with uh, the interruptions and the delays and then only basically a couple of weeks before the Games, knowing that he was on that plane to Tokyo. So we obviously wish Matt the best of luck for this year. Real, real solid medal chance for us at the Tokyo Olympics, at the the Paris Olympics, I should say, later this year. So uh, we'll no doubt keep a close eye on his performances throughout the year and how he will go. And, of course, uh, follow that very closely come the Olympics in July because they are in July. We can say they're this year. How exciting is it right now? You can tell just how excited I am and how everybody listening to this show is being an Olympic year. But, of course, it's not just the Paris Olympics this year. In two weeks' time, can you believe it, we're going to Korea for the Youth Olympic Games in Gangwon. And I'm sure i am been butchering the pronunciation of that. And by the time we get to the Olympics, I'll maybe learn how to pronounce it a little bit better. But we are doing the Youth Winter Olympic Games in a couple of weeks' time. We're covering that every week during those Youth Olympics. So we're very, very excited to be able to bring you that coverage. So stay tuned for that. And stay tuned next week. I don't want to spoil it right now, but we will have an interview around those Olympics. We're interviewing somebody going there. So uh, we're very excited to kind of almost have our preview to the preview where we will be speaking with somebody at history-making history-making interview, I'll just say that. I had to pause there to kind of word that in a way that will tease it that you're going to want to get excited about, but uh, it is one that you will be very excited for. So stay tuned for our social media during the week and we'll let you know who that is off the podium pod. Search on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok on threads. We're on all of them there as well. And as I keep alluding to, plenty of exciting things to come this year. We are looking at implementing a weekly news episode on this show where we will just come together in a short format once a week to bring you the latest news in the lead up to Paris because we feel given it's Olympic year there's a lot of stuff going to be happening between now and July so to keep you up to date with everything happening so stay tuned for that we'll announce more details of that in the due course that it is in the due course that it is not a sentence that i should have said but at least it made sense somehow in my head and of course subscribe to the podcast off the podium wherever you listen to your podcast from you will find us and all there leave us some feedback we'd love to hear what you think of the show as always and we've got some great interviews coming up as well our best of part seven will be a few weeks away as well but so many great things to come this year it's getting busy on off the podium that's how we like it particularly in an Olympic year you're going to get so much content this year that you're going to explode. You found the right podcast if you're an Olympics fan. Big thanks again to Matt for his time on the show. As always, you took the words right out of my mouth. Put a sock in it, Mountain. Go left, Birmingham Ball. My name is Ben. Cherry says goodbye, and we'll speak to you next time on Off the Podium. <laughs>